This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you hear the word prepper, what do you think of? There's all kinds of dangers. Earthquakes. Catastrophic collapse. Supervolcano. Total destruction. EMP. Terrorism. The end of the world as we know it. This is a commercial for the show that came out a couple years back, Doomsday Preppers. This show was just coming out when we were getting into the idea of becoming homesteaders. And it portrayed preppers as people who maybe seemed a little bit crazy and were preparing for the end of the world. They have an acronym for it, Tiatwaki, the end of the world as we know it, could come about from any number of ways. There's, take for example, your classic EMP. stands for electromagnetic pulse and it describes a short burst of electromagnetic energy its short duration means that it will spread over a range of frequencies and what does this mean to you and our preppers hiding out in the bunker well this pulse if done in the right place and powerful enough could in theory wipe out the entire electrical grid maybe of a country imagine none of your electronics working none of the power to your home and so people fear, the grid goes down, society collapses. But that's not all. There's also the pandemic to worry about. A pandemic, not to be confused with an epidemic, which is a rapid spread of an infectious disease to a large number of people in a given population over a short period of time, usually two weeks or less. The larger and more scary pandemic is an epidemic of infectious disease that has spread through human populations across a large region, perhaps multiple continents or even worldwide. The Black Death, yeah, that was a pandemic. The Spanish flu, you've heard of that one from 1918 to 1919. It was first identified early in March 1918. By October, it had spread and become a worldwide pandemic on all continents. 
It affected about one-third of the world's population, and it was very, very deadly. In six months, some 50 million people died from the Spanish flu. And the doomsday preppers worry about something even stronger, something that could kill perhaps nine out of 10 people, causing regular life as we know it to stop and society to collapse. can't forget the zombies. The idea that humans, whether reanimated dead or living who become sick or infested with the disease, become like rabid monsters running through, terrorizing humans, biting victims and turning them into zombies so that one turns into two and into four and into eight until a massive amount of the population on the planet has turned into zombies. And again, what do you get? Societal collapse. These are just a few examples of the worries of the doomsday prepper. Someone who's trying to prepare. There's the fear of societal collapse. That no matter who you are, where you are, you will be affected by these tragedies. These are the fears of the doomsday prepper. So how does the doomsday prepper prepare for this end of the world? They build themselves bunkers, and they fill them full of food and guns and ammo. And they go through tactical, strategic plans with their family of how they're going to take over Walmart and prevent the roaming hordes of looters from getting their goods. And here's the problem with all this sort of preparation. For one, when you look at it statistically, well it's very unlikely that any of these doomsday events are going to happen. We look at the numbers, as accountant Mike would, very few humans have ever been affected negatively by an EMP. Very few humans statistically have been affected by a pandemic. And no humans have been affected by zombies to date. I'm confident in that factual statement. And so... The doomsday prepper has this bunker and has all this food and gas masks and all these plans. The saddest part of all this, someone preparing out of fear of the end of the world, is that when that doomsday prepper's mate gets cancer, or when they lose their job, or when there's a really bad snowstorm, well, their preparedness suddenly is not that helpful. All the guns, ammo, and MREs in your bunker aren't going to help you when you're spending three months at the hospital with your loved one getting treatment. Out of work, loss of income. This kind of preparedness, it's not practical, and it has a high burnout rate. In the very first episode of Homesteady, I opened the show with an intro, a what-if scenario, 
What if an EMP happened? What would you do if you woke up tomorrow and the lights didn't turn on? Now, I don't mean just a power outage. I don't mean that your, your bulbs died. I mean you flicked the switch in every room in your house and nothing worked. You grab your cell phone to see what's up. It won't turn on. You go outside to get in your car to drive town to town to see w what's going on here, and it won't start for you. What if the entire world as we know it changed tomorrow? How would you fare? Would you be prepared to be on your own? It was a fun mental game to play, and I figured it would get people's attention to this new podcast that had no listeners. But I quickly came out and said, listen, this is not a podcast from some doomsday prepper worried about the end of the world. Homesteady is about building our homesteads, living a more sustainable life, and taking control of our family's food and well-being and happiness. The road is rocky. And I wanted to help encourage as many families as I could to do what my own family was trying to do, live a more steady lifestyle on our homestead. The prepping conversation can get so negative focused. And so I avoided it and dove deep into the world of homesteading. There we're producing food for ourselves. So if we do experience tough times, well, we can go out and collect our eggs and harvest from our land and we will be more prepared. And the nicest part about the homesteading conversation versus the prepping one is it's a very positive one. It's about building a life of abundance on your own property and enjoying it. But in the three years that we've done this show, I've realized we haven't talked at all about being prepared for the negatives. Disasters do happen all the time. Not end of the world, but perhaps ones that are a more personal collapse. Losing a job, having a loved one get sick and need care, emergency care at the hospital. Natural disasters, hurricanes, even big blizzards that can wipe out our regular everyday life for at least a week or so. These are the kind of disasters that happen to people all the time. And while society does not collapse, our own personal life can if we're not more prepared for them. So today we're going to dive into the subject of practical preparedness. We're not preparing for the zombie apocalypse, but we do realize that the road is rocky and sometimes things will go wrong. And no matter how many chickens and pigs you have in the backyard, when your wife is getting treated for cancer, there are some things that you and your family can do that can help make you and your family more prepared to deal with this personal disaster and make sure that your family is better on the other side of it. So today, we're gonna to talk about practical preparedness and how you and your family can be ready for whatever comes your way, good or bad. The world that we live in is a crazy place, but you and me, we can each make it a little better. We can live a more sustainable life. We can become more self-sufficient. We can get more connected with the planet around us. And we can do all of this together. So everybody, Cozy up. It's time for another episode of Homesteading.
I wanted to remind you before we get going in today's show that every Tuesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, we're recording most of what we put into the podcast live streaming on YouTube. And if you can't watch it, you can listen at PrepperBroadcasting.com. The coolest part about this is that both on YouTube and at Prepper Broadcasting, there's a chat box. And so you can actually ask questions or make comments that might wind up in this podcast episode. So join us Tuesday nights at 9. And if you're a homesteady pioneer, please, after the show, we have a pioneers-only after-show discussion where we dive deeper into the topic and we talk together with other pioneers. Last week, we had a great discussion about putting together go bags, and we got some great tips from other pioneers. So pioneers, join the discussion, and everyone, 9 o'clock Eastern, YouTube or Prepper Broadcasting, you can listen in as we record. And now, enjoy listening to that discussion we had all about being prepared for the disasters that are most likely to happen. This disaster that is more likely affect all of us. What is this disaster? The disaster that can make our world, our own personal collapse happen. Well, we had something happen in our life uh, last week that was for our family, a it was a disaster. It felt like our world was collapsing. It all started Monday. You see, Monday we were preparing for a snowstorm, uh, a, a big snowstorm, a blizzard that was supposed to come. Now, I'm the prepper of the family. Of the two of us, me and Kay, I'm more likely the one who's going to have the go bags filled and who wants to have some extra supplies in the car. I have a bit of a vivid imagination and I can let it run away with me and get me worried about things that may never happen. And so I'm more likely the one that wants to be prepared. Uh, Kay, on the other hand, she has different feelings, uh, or at least she did. And she kind of looked at packing up go bags, prepping, packing emergency supplies, was like all the work of camping, but without the s'mores. We've been married for eight years. We have four kids. And up until this year, we still were very unprepared. We had very little for preps. Uh, we didn't have go bags. Uh, we were not prepared for any kind of disaster, no matter what scale. And part of this was because not because we didn't think we needed it. We understood the importance of being more prepared. But uh, a lot of this was because of the overwhelm that's associated. When you start to think about prepping and you start to think about needing to be prepared, uh, you start to look into, all right, well, maybe we should get go bags. Which go bag should we get? Should we get a pre-made go bag or should we build our own? If we build our own, what kind of bag? Let's look at Amazon reviews. And you start paging through Amazon reviews. And then you say, okay, well, this one's got five stars. This one's got four and a half, but it's got better comments. And you can get worked up and say, ah, you know what? Forget it. And uh, it can almost burn you out. The other reason that we were not at all prepared was the cost. Being prepared requires that you have enough money to buy not only the supplies you need for that week, but supplies you may need next week or the following week, or maybe in a year when the disaster hits. And so... Those two factors, the overwhelm and the cost, are what was holding us back. And maybe if you're listening tonight, maybe you're thinking to yourself, yeah, that's holding me back too. I'm sure there's some of you listening who are very prepared, who are ready for all kinds of things. Maybe even those big events we talked about in the beginning. Uh, but for some of us, if you're thinking to yourself, yes, prepping seems overwhelming. 
prepping is too much money for me right now. Well, we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about how we broke past those barriers. The third reason why you may not be prepared, uh, and it's not the reason that we weren't prepared, but there are some uh, who have the idea that it's really unnecessary. And I use the example of my parents. Uh, my mom has a go bag. She loves getting stuff for her go bag. She loves to put things in the go bag and order things on Amazon for the go bag. And we talk about it. And what'd you get? Oh, I got something. This is cool. Throw this in your go bag. My dad kind of laughs. He, we were talking about this today. And he said, oh, I got a go bag. It's a six pack of Heineken out in the garage. That's his attitude of, of go bags. And he always says this to us. He says, where am I going to go? Why do I need a go bag? Where am I going? So there's that attitude too of, is this really necessary? Do I need a go bag? Do I need to be prepared? What I'm just going to sit home and let things happen. So those are the barriers. And for us, that third one wasn't the barrier. It was the first two. And we were finally motivated to break past that barrier because of something that happened uh, back in the fall. It was 1 a.m. and I woke up to the sound of a beeping carbon monoxide alarm going off. And I kind of was groggy, I stumbled out of the bedroom and I just hit the reset button. I didn't even believe it. There's no way, uh, I've, you know, all the years I've been on this planet, I've never heard a carbon monoxide alarm go off. Reset. Sure enough, two minutes later, beep, beep, beep. Warning, carbon monoxide. So I went into the bedroom, I got everybody up, and we got out of the house and called 911. We told them, hey, we got a carbon monoxide warning going off in the house. Now, I'm the man of the family. I'm the father, I have four young children, my wife, we're all outside, we're in our big, we have a really large van, and so we're all outside in the van, and this is a late fall, maybe early winter even, and it's cold outside, it was a cold night, and we're all outside in the van in our pajamas, and fortunately, my wife is uh, naturally a person who is prepared for things, and so she had an extra blanket in the car, uh, but we're outside, and as the EMTs are arriving, I get out of the car to meet them. I want to show myself as, you know, the strong man of the house, shake the hand of the EMT, thank him for coming out in the middle of the night. And I'm standing there in a pair of flannel PJs and I'm shivering. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm not a prepared man. It's hard to stand here and portray my family as one who's ready and myself as a man who can be in control in this kind of emergency situation when I'm wearing a pair of flannel PJs. And that was my wake up call. Sure enough, there was carbon monoxide in the house. Uh, fortunately, it wasn't a big deal. It was a problem with our pellet stove and we had it repaired. Uh, but that was our wake-up call to see, all right, you know what? We really do need some sort of preparedness. And so we started. And we started very small. I dove into the idea. I was really excited about it. Uh, Kay was not as excited about it. She was a little bit more uh, apprehensive uh, as we were trying to get involved in it. Uh, but I decided I was going to start with something very small so I wouldn't get overwhelmed. And so I started putting together an emergency Altoid tent. Maybe you've seen these on YouTube. There's some great videos. I watched a bunch of YouTube videos before I put mine together. Uh, you just take an Altoid tent and you, you open that thing up and empty out all the mints. Maybe you save one in case you want an emergency mint if you need it. Uh, but then you go through everything and you fill it. And the way I filled my first tin was just scavenging my house, finding things that I could use, you know, a couple of razor blades, 
some floss that would also work as cordage, some band-aids just in case the kids got hurt. I also got some more serious stuff. I got little packets of quick clot. So if you were to get a big cut, you could use the quick clot and it would close up your cut. And what happened was I, I got really excited about this. I did this with the kids. We put an Altoid tin for the kids together and it got addictive trying to fill this little tin. And what eventually happened was I ran out of space. I couldn't fit everything I wanted in my Altoid tin. And that's why that's when I picked up, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see I'm holding up my little Maxpedition uh, pack. If you're listening at uh, Prepper Broadcasting, I have the smallest Maxpedition pack that they have. Uh, I got this next, and this is my EDC. I keep it on me at all times. A little bit more capacity than the Altoid tin. If you look in here, I got a lighter, I got a flashlight, some spare keys, a whistle, I got a little emergency med kit, uh, a couple dollars in cash and duct tape, you know, the essentials. And as I kept building up my preps, I kept running out of space and we kept taking the next step. Meanwhile, Kendra, the practical one in the family was saying, listen, this little Altoid tin, it's cute, but in an emergency, it's not gonna do much good. We need go bags. So she was finally on board and it was time to dive into the go bags. And we filled each one of our family members, we got an LL Bean backpack and we filled it with all the basics. And we'll get into that in a little later in tonight's episode. So now here we were, we had our, our basic preparedness and uh, we like to keep our preparedness close. If we're in the car, we keep all our go bags in the car with us. Um, and generally the idea is to keep your bag wherever you're gonna be. So I have a truck, sometimes I go out and do some snow plowing or some work with my truck and I will move my go bag into my truck if I'm headed into the truck. So as last week is approaching, there's a blizzard coming, winter storm Stella. And I'm getting excited because the go bags have been sitting around now for months, taking up space in our vehicle. And um, my wife's joking, oh, you know, we got all these bags taking up. We have a giant 12 passenger van and we can't fit anything because all of our go bags and our gear in the back. When are we ever gonna use this stuff? And so now here comes a blizzard and I'm getting excited. I'm thinking, we're going to use it. We're prepared for this disaster, this blizzard, and uh, we're going to get to use our stuff. So we headed out on Monday. We got some extra gasoline for our generator and uh, we stocked up on perishables, you know, some extra fruit and some extra, veget extra vegetables. And we're all ready. We're coming home and uh, we're we're you know, just getting the generator in place and got to fill the generator. And as we're doing all this work, the real emergency happened. My wife comes outside of the house and I was busy filling up a machine with gas and she yells to me and I don't know why. And so I come, I come running over to see what's wrong. And what happened after that point uh, kind of changed the rest of our week. And it showed me how when a disaster, when this personal disaster strikes, it can really offset your whole world, especially if it can, if it aligns up, if when it rains, it pours, right? And so we're going to get into this disaster, what happened to us and how you can be more prepared after we take a short commercial break. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with you guys in just a minute. So how are you enjoying a weekly episode of Homesteading? Is it nice every Monday to come and see a fresh episode there in your podcast feed? I've been getting emails from you guys saying that you're enjoying this, and I really appreciate hearing that feedback. 
So if you enjoy having this weekly episode and you want us to keep doing it, remember this is just a two-month test and mostly to see if we can handle it, if it's sustainable. So how do we make it more sustainable? Well, you can help. When we launched this, we had sponsorships running with Audible, and that was great. But now, this last month, Audible had to cut back on their sponsorship budget, and uh, we're one of the shows that that is missing out for a month or two. So for the next two months, we promised you a weekly episode, and we're going to do it, whether or not we have the support from our sponsors. But that's where you come in. If you become a home study pioneer, you help us keep doing this show, and you make it so that we can keep doing a weekly show after our two-month trial is up. So consider if you love what we do here at Home Study and you want us to keep up this monthly and you want us to keep up this weekly podcast, there is a way that you can help vote. <laughs> and that's by heading over to thisishomestudy.com and becoming a pioneer. It's five bucks a month. What do you get for five bucks a month? This isn't a donation to public radio. You don't get some cheap tote bag. You gain access to the Pioneers Only Library, which is full of bonus podcast episodes in-depth video classes. You also get discounts. There's an entire section where if you're buying chicken supplies, we have discounts from different distributors. Uh, We have discounts for Leatherman knives, and there's more discounts on the way. And now you can hang out with us once a week, Tuesday nights at 10 o'clock for the Pioneers After Show, where we discuss the topic of the podcast that week, and we dive deep into the topic And we listen and discuss with other pioneers and get great advice all around. So if you want us to keep doing weekly episodes of Homesteady, consider becoming a pioneer. It will make a huge difference in whether or not we keep going at the end of our two-month trial. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. So my wife comes running outside, and she calls to me and says... She's carrying the baby, and she says uh, that there's something wrong. He's something wrong with his breathing, and we couldn't tell what it was. We didn't know he has no previous uh, problem with breathing. He doesn't have asthma or anything. And the first thing I do right away is grab my phone, turn it on, 911, unlock it, and then 911. And I'm holding it up to my ear, and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. I'm like, why aren't they picking up? And I look back at the phone and I realize I haven't even hit the green call button. That is the first time in this day, but certainly not the last, where I've realized that when the disaster hits, your brain isn't going to work right. And so I hit the green button now. The guy picks up. 911, what's your emergency? And I tell him, my son is having trouble breathing. I think he's choking. Uh, You need to get an emergency, get an ambulance here right away. And so he asks me a few more questions. He sends the ambulance. And meanwhile, my son is breathing, but it's, it's a problem. Something is wrong with it. So he's not actually choking, but there's something very wrong. The ambulance arrives. The EMT jumps out. 
and takes a look. Uh, they load him up into the ambulance. And I just remember the, the, the picture of my little eight-month-old boy getting into that ambulance and my wife alongside him. And I remember the look on her face. And I remember him. He's crying because he's stressed. And uh, they're closing the doors. And I'm watching as my wife and my baby are driving away. And that's it. That's the your personal collapse. That's when it doesn't matter that society's not breaking down. It doesn't matter that the world's not falling into chaos because your world is falling into chaos. And that's what you want to be prepared for. You want to be ready for your own personal disaster, whatever that's going to be. And at that moment, my world was was crumbling and I needed to be able to uh, make it through the rest of what was going to be a very long day. The first thing I thought about was I want to be with my wife and my baby helping to make the decisions that need made. But of course, I couldn't go with them immediately because we have three other children that I needed to take care of. And so I quickly called uh, the person that we usually call who lives nearby, a good friend of ours, to come and, and watch them real quick. And of course, she couldn't. She was at work and she couldn't make it. And here's the second time my brain stopped working. Now I'm thinking, oh man, who am, who am I going to call that's close? I need somebody who's, you know, within just maybe five, 10 minutes, 15 at the most, because I just want to get to the hospital. And so my brain isn't working. And finally, it just, I thought of someone, I make a phone call, a good friend who's nearby with kids came and was able to pick up our kids. Actually, he says, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you at the, at the hospital. So I load up the kids in the van and I head off to the hospital. I get a text that we're going to a different hospital because our local hospital can't handle this issue. So we travel to the next hospital. And then we get there. Our friend meets us, takes the kids. And here is where preparation number one comes to save the day. Each of my family members has their own personal go back. And as I'm able to say to the kids, again, my personal world is crumbling here. It's falling into chaos. But I'm the dad. I need to present to my family calm, control, uh, so that they can feel a little bit safer and a little less scared. And so I was able to say to all my other three children, listen, daddy and mommy have to take the baby to the doctor. You all have your go bags. In there is a change of clothes, there's snacks, there's toys. You're going to go with your friends, daddy, right now. Go back and play with your friends. Take your go bags. And if it gets late and it's bedtime, you can change into your pajamas, you have your toothbrush. It's a little bit of control in what the rest is just chaos. And that felt really good. I sent them on their way and uh, then I get inside, I catch up with Kendra and the doctors are telling us that what they need to do, how they need to look inside him and see what's wrong, they're not able to do. And so we have to go to another hospital, a pediatric hospital. And at the point where this next ambulance ride takes us to the hospital, uh, the next hospital, the pediatric one, by the time we finally get there, the doctors look, they figure out what may or may not be wrong, they tell us what needs done, and then he goes in to have emergency surgery. Uh, it's almost 10 hours by the time that is complete. And we're not talking tonight so much about what happened with us because it's not what's going to happen to you. It's not You're not going to have the same personal disaster. Yours is going to be a different one. Um, so needless to say, my son is fine now. He's totally better. 
Uh, the problem was taken care of. The doctors did a great job. It was a scary hour. It was a scary 10 hours and a very frightening one hour waiting because the surgery they said was a serious one. It's something they do a lot, but they warned us of the dangers. He had to go under full anesthesia. And so that's one of the longest hours of your life as a parent. And we were there through every minute of it, just waiting for that doctor to walk through the door. Now, through this 10-hour period from the initial problem to finding out that he's all better and everything went smoothly, um, we have no meals. When your kid's about to get surgery, you don't run out for a pizza. And this is another area where being prepared helped so much. When I went into the hospital... I had my wife's go bag. Now, remember, I mentioned before how when I go snow plowing, I throw my go bag into my truck. Sadly, that morning, I was preparing to get into my truck and do some plowing. And so I had my go bag in my truck. And when the emergency happened, I forgot to grab my go bag. All the other go bags were in the car where we were. And so I was able to take my wife's go bag into the hospital and in there was some you know little like candy bar kind of you know energy bars that you can eat quick meal and throughout that 10 hour period all we were able to eat was these little bars we also had freeze-dried meals but you're not going to bust out a freeze-dried meal when your kid's about to go into surgery but just having those bars because you don't want to think about food. You don't want to make another decision of what are we going to eat? Should I order some takeout? Should I go down to the cafeteria? You just want to sit next to your wife or your husband or your family and be there every minute ready for when the doctor gives you news. And so to be able to just keep ahead of the hunger by eating a bar, it was amazing. It, it gave, gave us energy. It gave us a little more clarity. And uh, again, it's just a little bit of control when your wor world is falling into chaos. The baby was fine, but now that he's out of surgery, the doctors want to keep an eye on him. And so Kay and the baby have to stay the night and the blizzard is coming. So I head back, get my kids and get back to the farm. And now the blizzard happens and she's at the hospital as the blizzard begins. The next morning, the blizzard is there full bore. And the, the doctor says, listen, we don't want to keep you in the hospital because there's more risk that the baby will get infected with some other, you know, uh, bacteria or virus going around. He says, I know it's bad out there, but we can put you up at a nearby uh, Ronald McDonald house. And so it's just a short walk. Another time when the go bag is a lifesaver. My wife was able to put all the supplies, all the food, everything she needed into the go bag, zip it up throw it on her back. She has a, our go bags are all backpacks so that we can grab them and go. Take the baby on the front, zipper her big down blanket, then head out into this blizzard. She described it like that scene uh, from Star Wars where Luke is uh, crawling through the snow and Hoth and he's going, Ben, and the wind is blowing and you think Luke's not gonna make it. It's just blowing wind and the, the road, there was nobody on the roads. And it was, it was just a total, it was total chaos. But because she had that go bag, she was able to have all her supplies and move through that snow and make it to the Ronald McDonald house. Now she's there for over a, another day. The Ronald McDonald house is a wonderful thing. It's for families whose kids are having, uh, you know, going to the doctors, have to do it for a long time for treatment. And so it's a nice, very cheap place to stay. They have food, 
the basic food is, you know, a lot of carbs, a lot of bread, uh, some eggs, but there's no meat, there's no meals. And so again, preparedness saves the day. She's there for a whole nother day waiting out this storm and for me to pick her up. We have this freeze dried, you know, emergency meal in her go bag. And now she's breastfeeding. She's feeding our child nutrients. She needs some real food, not just a bunch of English muffins. So she's able to cook up a, uh, you know, emergency meal, not the best meal of her life, but she's able to get some good protein into her body that last day. Fortunately, I was able to pick her up by Wednesday at like one o'clock. I was able to make it down there. Preparedness helped us through so much of this process though. In our go bag, she had a change of clothes, which she was able to use uh, once she got to the Ronald McDonald house. She was soaking wet, she could change into her nice dry clothes. She had a toothbrush, you know, basic care. She could take a shower at the Ronald McDonald house, brush her teeth. Uh, she had food the whole time. She had diapers for the baby and the baby carrier, which helped when she had to go through that, that snow. Preparedness helped with this. And looking back, we're not trying to be dramatic here. This was not a major disaster, but it was a personal disaster. It was a time when our world was falling into chaos. And having been as prepared as we were helped every step of the way. But the fact of the matter is, is our personal disaster that we experienced last week, it could have been worse. It could have been a worse medical emergency. That does happen, sadly, to families all the time. Their kids experience much worse medical emergencies. And it could have been a worse snowstorm. We here have had snowstorms that have wiped out power for a week. Just a couple years back, we lost power for a solid week. Imagine having this perfect storm where I had a medical emergency and the blizzard. Imagine if it had been a worse medical emergency, maybe one that took months of treatment. And imagine if the storm had been worse, if power lines had been down, if it had taken me more days to get there. The fact is the world doesn't have to end. Society doesn't have to fall into a collapse for your world to start to collapse. Just having a bad medical emergency where your loved one needs months and months of care, suddenly you need to take time off from work, then you wind up losing your job because you're not at work and they need to fill your spot, losing your job, now you lose that income. This is how your world can fall if you're not prepared for the disasters that will happen. Because let's be honest, every one of us, while we may not experience a pandemic, we may not experience the uh, the, the plague that's going to kill 9 out of 10 people, we probably have or will experience a job loss, a natural disaster of some sort, or a medical emergency, whether it's our own or someone very close to us. And like what happened to us, we might wind up having more than one at the same time. Now, the blizzard was not a natural disaster. It was not a very, very bad blizzard, but it could have been. And the medical emergency that happened to us, it was not a life-changing experience. It didn't, it, my, my son is totally fine now, but it could have been because those things do happen. And if you're a prepper who's preparing for the EMP or preparing for the pandemic, but you're not preparing for the disaster that is going to happen to all of us, well, you can have a closet full of ammo and MREs, but when your loved one has got to go to the hospital three months and you've got to drive them there every day for cancer treatment, that ammo and that MREs is not going to bring the comfort that you need. So how do we prepare 
for these kind of disasters, the ones that really will happen to us? Well, that's the question that I brought to J.J. Johnson. Well, I, uh, I started out um, with the Air Force back in 1996, and I joined, um, I, I joined as a wilderness survival instructor. J.J. was a wilderness survival instructor for the Air Force. That means he was teaching soldiers what to do if they were to crash in the middle of nowhere, how they could survive, get back on their feet, and get back to society. He knows what the fundamental needs are for any person to thrive in a trauma situation. He's now a law enforcement officer with the Air Force. About 17 years now. Um, during that time, I've had the opportunity to deploy five times, I think, and been to a lot of places all over the, you know, the world and you know, bad, nasty countries and stuff like that. And I've seen a lot of um, you know, how people live in disaster situations. You know? Yeah. And uh, so that kind of just led to, um, you know, I started a blog and a, and a YouTube channel, obviously, and and on just regular preparedness, you know, disaster preparedness and all that. From what JJ has seen, he knows it doesn't matter if you have to survive in the wilderness or in your own town after a natural disaster. The basic human needs are always the same. Instructor in wilderness survival. And although that's not what we're going to talk about tonight, I think it ties in because the basic human needs, no matter what we're going through, what we're experiencing, we have basic human needs. When you're in a wilderness survival situation, what are the basic needs that you're worried about? So your, your basic thing is, you know, personal protection. You got to keep your body, your core body temperature at 98.6 degrees. Um, you've got to have food, water, um, and, you know, shelter and fire kind of fall in within that personal protection zone because it's basically helping you keep your, your core temperature. And then you've got to figure out if you need, uh, you need to be able to communicate or navigate. You know, if you need to be able to get out of the situation that you're in, you may have to either communicate or navigate to get out of there. Uh, and then the last thing is just your basic health, you know, first aid and all that kind of stuff. Right. And so, JJ, like we're going to focus tonight, obviously, we're going to focus on this practical survival and practical preparedness. Um, but really, and it's funny, as we talk, we'll talk about more tomorrow, whenever we get into a stress situation, those needs don't really change. We need a uh, shelter, right? In an emergency, maybe in a natural disaster, our actual shelter is, is a, an issue. But even in a medical emergency, you need a comfortable place uh, where you can have a little bit less stress, a little bit more calm. You need a little bit of food in your belly just uh, to help you think and help you process, make some hard decisions. Uh, so as we get into this tonight, those those basic, the most basic needs that you focus on in that wilderness survival are no doubt going to play a part. My wife was with my son at the hospital, and then they had to go to the Ronald McDonald house. And you would think she wouldn't have to worry about food, shelter, body core temperature, but she had to travel through the blizzard. And if she was unprepared without the right clothes, without a nice go bag full of dry clothes to change into, she could have found herself unprepared for the brutal cold right there in the middle of civilization. And so that's why when we start to think about practical prepping, we go right down to the fundamental basics of what a human needs, and we just build resilience from there. JJ, when you think about 
practical uh, preparedness. Where do you like to focus? What are the disasters or the emergencies that you think are most likely to affect all of us uh, that we need to really think about when talking about preparedness? Well, I, I just started to look at and focus mostly on the high probability, low impact kind of items, you know, and I mean, job loss, house fires, uh, tornadoes, you know, ice storms, you know, these kind of things that happen to people all around us all the time, you know, the statistics right. just show it just, it happens. Um, I, I'm, I do occasionally talk about some of the, you know, low probability, high impact things, but honestly, that's more just to give people a longer term goal to talk to, you know, to, to work towards, to be a little bit more prepared. But uh, the majority of the stuff that I try to focus on is, is really just getting folks to understand that regionalized disasters can happen and, you know, they can affect you, you know, for a extended period of time sometimes. Um, so it's good to have, you know, a few things prepared because the government's just not always going to be a real reliable uh, source of help. Right. When you wait, when you expect others to take care of your immediate needs, you're putting yourself into a victim position right away. Absolutely. And how much better to be the person who not only is prepared for himself and for his immediate family, but you can even be, if you're prepared enough, you can help those around you. Absolutely. Yep, and that's right. So, so that idea, you know, I was writing my list down tonight, JJ, and I, I talked on my list. I put a lot of the same things you did. The first one, and this is not one that people think about when they think about prepping all the time, uh, at least not everyone, but, but job loss, what, what disrupts your life more than losing a job, especially if you're not prepared, mm -hmm. if you're prepared, if you have an emergency fund set aside, well, then that's a different story. But if you're not prepared, suddenly you're without your income. If you're living like, unfortunately, a lot of people do paycheck to paycheck, uh, that can, that can quickly cause a personal collapse. Uh, so when you think about something like a job loss, JJ, what is your advice as far as practical preparedness for that situation? So the, I guess the first thing is, um, and actually this wasn't on my list, but it just popped in my head. So I'm going to throw it out there, but keep, and it's something that I do personally, but I think everybody should do it is, you know, keep your resume up to date nice. <laughs> and have a network of people that you're always talking to so that if you do lose your job, you can, you know, cause it's not about who, you know, or it is about who, you know, when it comes to getting a job. Um, but other than that, you know, I mean, as far as uh, keeping money, I, I try to keep a, a minimum of at least a thousand dollars of cash in the house. Um, and, and then not so much for the job, but in case of a, a vehicle breakdown or something, I try to keep at least a hundred dollars, uh, in the car as well. Um, because right now there's, you know, we're not in a collapsed society or anything. Money usually solves most problems. Mm -hmm. Um, and, <laughs> and that's the, that's the first one. The second one is, is I try to keep at least, uh, I recommend a very minimum of at least one month's worth of monthly expenses in your emergency fund. But really trying to get towards three to six months is, you know, probably a better figure. And, and if you could do a whole year, that'd be great, you know, but that, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a big goal for most people. But uh, three to six is probably attainable if you really kind of dedicate yourself and that kind of thing. It, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar. You ever read any of Dave Ramsey's books, JJ? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So everyone, the thousand dollar emergency fund, that's where he starts you. And it's so it's so important um, 
that before he says worry about paying off your debts and before you worry about taking care of you know your car payment all that other stuff a thousand dollar emergency fund and the reason why excuse me the reason why he says is because of murphy's law the worst thing that could go happen is probably going to happen and if you have a thousand dollars set aside where something bad happens and you just you know uh, your well i had we had a couple years back at the homestead here our well went and we didn't have a thousand dollar emergency fund and of course we had to borrow money to take care of that problem and when you borrow money now you're in debt now you got to pay more of that money back uh, how much better to have that thousand dollars set aside and for some people that may seem like an impossibility uh, but you stop you know you stop eating out a few times a month you stop with the coffee out each morning you make your own and you can start putting that money aside to where it builds up to you have that thousand dollars now JJ, why do you make sure to have a thousand in your home so for me it's just because um, I just like to have physical cash you know what I'm saying um, yeah. and, and I and I do have, like I said I do try to keep a separate amount in my bank account as well so it's kind of a both system if I for whatever reason can't access the internet if I you know to do online banking or whatever um, then I I've got the money there in my house, you know, just in case. Um, it's just kind of a redundancy thing, I guess. Um, but it just feels better to have the <laughs> cash there, I guess, you know. I, I totally agree. And we do the same thing. We have our emergency fund. We have a couple different emergency funds, uh, some in cash, some in the bank. Even like you said, having some in the car. Uh, that way, you, you know, if you have a breakdown, let's say you have some in the safe, but you have a breakdown and you're a couple states over. And, uh, you know, for some reason, maybe you don't have even a credit card on you or your, your bank card or whatever. That's yeah. nice to have that cash. So somebody stole your wallet or, you know, I mean, there's just lots of different possibilities. We're going to talk about in our story tomorrow, we had two. We had the natural disaster, which wasn't quite a natural disaster. We had a blizzard, uh, but coincide with a medical emergency. So it can happen. You can have a wallet stolen and a car breakdown. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'll be so grateful that if you have that, that, cash in the car, the cash maybe in the go bag, wherever you have it, having diverse air, you know, a diverse amount of cash where you can get yourself out of a, a trouble. And like you said, JJ, we're not in a collapse situation. Uh, we don't need to barter for help. Most of the time, the experience, the emergencies we're going to face, a lot of the time cash is going to fix the problem. So having that emergency fund, that is a major way uh, to be practically prepared. And it's, it's a, for me, I remember we started really this year getting into the prepping thing, getting into more, being more prepared. And a lot of the things were overwhelming, but a $1,000 emergency funding cash, that's not, it may be hard to do, but it's not complicated. It might be hard to save that money, but it's simple. Just stop eating out and start putting the money in an envelope. I think the hard, or the, the, really the biggest thing is, is that um, a, lot of, a lot of preppers tend to focus on gear. And, yeah. and gear is an important part of it. You know, there, it makes life easier in certain circumstances, but you really have to stop and establish your priorities first, you know, and, and when you, when you do that, you'll see that, you know, that thousand dollar emergency fund is really more important than your fire kit or <laughs> you <know>, sure. <laughs> whatever. I mean, you know, it, it's just, um, you have to look at it as one piece of that puzzle. You know, it's, it's a tangible thing, just like, you know, a fire starter or a knife or something else, you know? Yeah. Two out of the three, you know, the, the emergencies I wrote down to talk about, you know, uh, losing the job, medical emergency, and then the natural disaster. Two out of the three, 
medical emergencies and um, losing the job, the financial side is so much more important than any gear or any other items. Mm -hmm. um, unless the magical, unless the medical emergency happens in the woods, then maybe some of your gear is going to be important. <laughs> <laughs> so now let's talk about uh, the next step. I remember when we were started down this path of preparedness, JJ. Um, we first we started with the financial side. We had to be able to afford all the other preparedness items. Uh, so the emergency funds, kind of that that early stage preparedness. Uh, then I started working on prepping my person. And I started that with kind of some EDC, everyday carry, for those of you who are not familiar with that term, EDC. Uh, so items that you keep on you every day, and then uh, putting together the go bag or the get home bag. So JJ, when it comes to getting past the financial side, what are the gear and the items that you want to start building up for practical preparedness, things that you will find yourself using? So I guess the, the main thing is, is when you're building your go bag or your, your get home bag, especially, you really need to look at how far do you work from your home? You know what I mean? Because yeah. a person, a person who, you know, drives 65, 70 miles to work every day has a completely different get home bag than somebody who works two or three miles. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I mean, some of the basic stuff, you know, is going to be tennis shoes. You know, if you, especially if you dress up or anything like that and you don't want to have to walk a long distance, you know, in, um, um, in dress shoes or whatever, extra set of clothing, you know, that's always nice. I mean, even if you have a car breakdown or something like that, if you have, you know, have to change a tire and you wear a suit, then it's kind of nice to, you know, be able to change your clothes. Um, I, I, I like to have uh, self-defense items, um, you know, and, and it, there's a numerous different variety of reasons why you could end up having to walk home. Um, but you don't ever want to not be able to defend yourself, you know. So, again, that's also dependent on where you live and what kind of neighborhood you have to go through and all that kind of stuff. But uh, basic food and water. And then it, depending on how far you live, you may need to have some overnight gear. You know, it's possible. Um but again, that's just been the other one that a lot of people don't think about is an alternate form of communication. You know, maybe a GMRS radio, again, depending, it's kind of distance dependent, um, or one of those spot uh, GPS transmitters that you can send text messages through. You know, right. if there's like a text, there's a terrorist incident or something along those lines, um, cell services and cell networks are going to be all blocked up. You may not be able to get messages through. But using a satellite system, you can send a text, say, hey, I'm OK, or I'm on my way home or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, they allow you some of those some of those different GPS devices allow you a few different canned messages. So at least you can get the message, you know, out to your uh, other loved ones, hopefully, and they can kind of see what's going on. JJ, the idea behind a go bag and a get home bag, the basic principle behind the two what is the point of having this bag? So with a go bag, I, I see them a little bit as different, but they're kind of the same, really. Um, the the go bag is usually spoken about with uh, something that you keep in your house. And, you know, you're going to have uh, most people will say three days, three or four days, something like that, worth of food and water and supplies in it so that if you had to leave your home, like let's say your house caught on fire, you could just grab your bag. And, and your kids, of course, you know, <laughs> and get out of the house. And if you had to, you could just literally set up a tent right there and you'd be okay for a few days until you got, you know, stuff taken care of or whatever. Um, 
and a get home bag is usually the same kind of thing, uh, but it's just usually a little smaller, a little bit more compact, you know, something you're going to throw in the vehicle. That way, if you break down on the way home or if for whatever reason roads are closed off or there's an ice storm and you have to leave your car sitting there or, I mean, you know, who knows uh, what could be the reason, but, you know, for some reason you had to walk from home, then you'd have some stuff with you to, to, do, to be able to do that. So the, these bags, I remember when we started assembling ours, um, again, sometimes with, when, especially if you're a new beginner, there's this overwhelm of, oh man, there's so many things I need to think of and so many things I need to put in this bag. And I'm reading Amazon reviews, is this better than this? And oh, I want to freeze. There are pre-made go bags. And then there's the idea of assembling your own. What do you suggest, JJ? What is the best thing to do? Is it to get a pre-made or is it to get something you assemble yourself? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I haven't, I've actually, I've, I've kind of looked uh, actually pretty, pretty hard for this to find a good pre-made bag. And I, I just haven't had any luck finding anything that really met my personal standards. Yeah. Um, so I think it's best to, to put one together yourself because you're the only person that knows your situation and everything's going to be very dependent upon where you live, your geography, you know, your topography, you know, your physical uh, abilities you know, all those kinds of things is going to kind of determine about, you know, what you have to put into your kit. So it makes the most sense to me to, to, to put one together yourself. I agree so much. Um, I know, I know if there's, if there's the overwhelm element, people are like, you know what, I just want to buy a go bag and put it in my car. That's probably better than nothing, but the kits aren't going to have an extra set of clothes for you. They're not going to have a set of shoes for you. They're not going to have food that you know you like to eat. There's not going to be comfort in that bag. And I think the worst thing about the pre-made bag, JJ, and you tell me if you agree with this, is the fact that I think too many people would just buy it, throw it in the back of the car, and forget about it. Almost to the point where they might not even remember they have it when they need it. And they certainly won't know what's in there and how to use it. Would you agree with that, JJ? Yep, I, I would absolutely agree with that. I think the one thing I would add to that is, is that honestly, most of the components in the pre-made kits are just not that good. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're just they're just not they're just not high quality, and so you know, I, I just don't buy them. <laughs> and maybe one of these days I'll find one. You know what I mean? But yeah. I just I haven't yet, and, and it's unfortunate. But it would be easy to you know find one to put a little Amazon affiliate link on and make some money from it. Um, but if there's nothing, there's just nothing good out there. There's nothing right out there. It'd be better to just to, to, you know, find the right gear to put in. And I know you do a lot of gear reviews and a lot of things about your channel to help people with that. Uh, how do you suggest JJ now, now that we've told them, Hey guys, you can't go buy a pre-made one. You got to put your own together. That can be overwhelming. How do you get people, where should they start as far as a basic backpack with supplies they need? Where do they start? So I think... If we can, if we can go here, I I would say before you even start putting a pack together, there's a little bit you need to do. 
Um, and I did a video about this uh, called How to Start Prepping. And I, it basically talked about 16 different points that I recommend that people should do before they start buying anything. So I'll just go over four here. And then if folks want to go check out the video, they can do that. Well, the first one, do it. Okay, cool. Um, the first one is, is do some research and find out, you know, what sort of real emergencies happen in your area. You know, if you haven't looked into it, you may be surprised. And, and most people would generally know this, like if you live in Florida, you're going to have hurricanes. But, you know, take a look at that and, and get some hard numbers on it and, and understand the environment you live in. The second thing is, is conduct an audit of your personal finances and kind of establish what your discretionary income is each month. And that way you'll kind of be able to forecast how you're going to go about buying this stuff. Uh, the next thing is, is I think that people should identify multiple hotels um, in each cardinal direction that are at least 100 miles or so from their home and put their addresses and their phone numbers and all that stuff down in a hard binder, you know, start create a, a hard binder to start having some information in. Because if you have a regionalized disaster, like let's just take Hurricane Katrina, for example, if people had done this ahead of time and they hate, like, hey, a hurricane's coming. All right, well, let's head north. You can call the hotel before the disaster gets bad, make your reservation and go and stay in the hotel and you're out of the area and you're safe and you don't have to worry about it. You know what I mean? Because with, with a lot of things, there's usually some kind of notice, you know what I mean? So um, having a kind of a plan on where you may want to go, if there's an issue that causes you to leave your home, you know what I mean? Which that's obviously preferred to stay in your home. But if you do have to leave, um, it's better to, to do that and stay in a hotel or a national park, like at a campground or something, than it is just to go out into the woods. You know what I mean? Some place you've never been before. Uh, so trying to keep that a little practical. The next thing is, is study the geography around your residence so that if you do have to stay in your home for a prolonged period for whatever it is, you know where some fresh water sources are, you know, um, you just, you just kind of know what's around your home. You'd be surprised at how many people don't really know what's beyond just the neighbors in their street and stuff like that. So it's kind of important to do that. Um, but then once you get those things done, and like I said, I've you know, a pretty long list of some other things, then you can start looking at, you know, going ahead and buying a few items, you know, um, one of the first things that, that I recommend is a first aid kit. You know, physical injury is, you know, one of the leading things that causes us to have emergency situations, you know. Um, and so I think that's important. Um, I, I put in the top five, I also put a nine millimeter pistol. Um, and I think that just a regular pistol with 100 rounds of ammo or so is a very practical way to be able to start defending your home, you know. Um, you can also start to conceal carry that if it's allowed in your state and all that kind of stuff. But um, the reality is, especially in today's day and age, is that uh, being able to defend your home is important because um, especially those people who live in urban city centers and stuff, we've seen a lot of riots. We've seen a lot of different you know, things that, you know, bad things happen. And so it's good to be able to just be prepared and defend yourself. Um, the next thing I recommend is one month worth of emergency food per person in your home. And I'm a little different than a lot of preppers and survivalists, whereas I recommend that the first month that you buy should be like, you know, dehydrated or freeze dried food that you can put in a box. You can put it in the back of your closet and you can forget about it. 
and not have to pull it out until an emergency. And the reason I say that is because a lot of people will, will recommend uh, just eating from your pantry and you store what you eat, which is the second thing that I recommend. And the reason I do, the reason I say that is because a lot of times what I find is, is that people kind of go in, in hills and lulls when it comes to prepping. And a lot of times your, your stock, the food that you've stocked up, will, the levels will vary. And if you have an emergency when the levels are low, well, then you're kind of screwed. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and you may be lower on it. And, you know, people just, unless you're one of those obsessive compulsive kind of people that always keep the, you know, <laughs> everything perfectly stocked and full, yeah. then I think it's good just to have that fallback because that stuff, you know, that dehydrated and freeze dried food, I mean, it last 25, 30 years. Yeah. So that's a good point. You make that good investment, you stick it back in the back corner and you always have it. You don't have to worry about it. Um, and so I, I think that's, that's kind of important. Um, and the last thing is on the, the first five items that I recommend um, is just a backpack for every person in your home. And you can kind of start to use that to develop your go bag. Love and even that. if you don't, yeah. And even if you don't have like, you know, everything that you need for the perfect go bag, if you've got a backpack, you've probably got most of the items around your house that okay. you would need to just toss in there, you know, and be able to go if you had to. You know, when we started, like I said, JJ, we really started this year. We'll talk about this tomorrow uh, because of a little emergency. I started getting into being more prepared. And sure enough, as I got more prepared, another little emergency. I was out deer hunting. I was I got a nice buck and I was field dressing the buck. I slipped, stabbed myself in the leg with my knife. But I had my little first aid kit right on my hip, my little everyday carry kit with my, uh, you know, quick clot you know, granules in the packet. So I was able to stop the bleeding right away. It wasn't a real bad cut, but I didn't know that it was pitch black and I felt the knife go into my leg and I was ready. Um, sure. And after that, we built up our go bags more. So every little bit you get more prepared, um, it, you keep, it's almost addictive. You get a little bit more prepared, then it fixes a problem. You get excited, you get a little bit more prepared, but it's true. You can go through waves because we got to this point where we finally had built up an emergency fund. We built up some nice go bags to the point where the back of the car had some, we had our go bags, we had extra supplies in the back of the car. And then we kind of stopped. And it almost was to the point where uh, we were losing interest in it. And then last week we had this blizzard and then prepping for that. And we had, my son uh, had an emergency medical operation, my eight month old, and we had to rush him to the hospital for it. And so it all kind of collided and having the go bags when that happened and what you said was so important, we had a go bag for every family member. We had a backpack and again, it wasn't a pre-made go bag. It wasn't a, uh, a tactical pack. We went to LL Bean and we bought all our go bags at LL Bean and we did that because LL Bean has incredible quality stuff and they have a lifetime guarantee. So we figured with a go bag, you're going to be like shoving it in the car and grabbing it and, you know, running or whatever you're doing with it. Uh, it could take a beating. And as long as society doesn't collapse, we'll be able to return that go bag. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, we started filling up the go bags with food, with a change of clothes, with a pair of, uh, you know, full change of clothes, toothbrush, just the basic essentials, a little bit of money. Uh, and then, you know, we also have our we have our rope in there and our knives and our fire starting stuff and our survival blankets. But sure enough, when we went to the hospital because of my son, my other kids had to get taken with a family friend. 
they all had an over they had their go bag they had a change of clothes so i told him grab your go bags if you need to spend the night you'll have a change of clothes and a toothbrush my wife and me got stuck all day long waiting for this operation you don't want to run out and get pizza while you're waiting for your kid to get operated on fortunately we had a bag with some just a, a couple meals and a couple of candy bars and it allowed us to stay ahead of the hunger and and it kept us cool and calm in a situation where our personal world was crumbling. So it's it can be overwhelming, but that's great advice. All the areas that you said to start with, JJ, you don't have to spend any money for. Learning about your area, uh, just preparing a plan, uh, taking, uh, like you said, a stock of what you already have in your house and uh, filling it in, into a backpack. And then at that point, you can start moving forward. So uh, great advice, JJ. I would love to be able to take some questions now. So I know we have we have a bunch of you guys in the live chat here. There's 20 watching. If you have any questions, go ahead and tag at Homesteady, and uh, we'll be able to answer some of your questions. I'm, I'm keeping an eye out. So let us know if you guys have any questions. Um, JJ, uh, you had great advice for how to start. Um, I got two more questions that I wanted to cover tonight. And then at that point, we'll let people go and check out your channel and dive into this subject. And I put a link below for that uh, video, how to start prepping that JJ talked about. Um, when a person has no preps, and you already kind of told us how to start prepping, but when they have nothing preparedness wise, what is the first thing? If you could pick one item or one step, what is the very first step? So, Probably the first thing, I guess, would be, um, you know, develop a family communication plan. Um, it, it's not buying anything, but, um, you know, having the, having the phone, I briefly referred to it earlier, but having the phone numbers of all your family members, you know, having um, pictures of your family members, you know, actually printed out pictures, um, you know, front on and profile, um, the license plate, if you've got kids that drive, the license plate of the vehicle that your kids drive, the addresses and phone numbers of your, you know, relatives that live in the area or your friends that live in the area, um, as well as the uh, addresses and phone numbers and car descriptions of friends of your children, you know, places that they, you know, if you were to get separated in an emergency, this kind of stuff could be really important, you know, being able to um, identify, you know, what your son looks like to the authorities and all that kind of stuff, or, you know, those kind of things. Also, if cell networks go down, if your battery runs dead, you know, having, having an extra, extra battery is, is good. Um, but if your cell battery goes dead and you can't remember their phone number, then it's, it's, it's difficult to get in touch with people, you know? And, um, so having that stuff written down so that you could use somebody else's phone if it was necessary or something is kind of an important step and it's not hard to do. Um, but it could become, you know, valuable in, a, in an emergency situation. That's, that's such good advice, JJ. Here we were rushing to the hospital. Our phones were both almost dead because it was just an everyday day. We were just up and about using the phone and uh, running out, we forgot to grab a charger. And that was one thing I didn't have in the go bag. And now it's in the go bag, all the go bags. <laughs> but the phone could die. And if you don't have the phone numbers, and I love the idea of the pictures, because we all think, oh, I'll just be able to show my phone and say, hey, have you seen this person? But if the yeah. phone's dead, we're, we're out of, we live in a different world. I remember my home phone number growing up, but I hardly remember my number now. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> I'm the same way. I, you know, I got to write it down. I'm getting old and gray, yep. and, you know, <laughs> I got I to write stuff down. So JJ, I got a question from one of our, uh, our listeners here date. It's Davida Kilgore, Davida. Uh, she says, what about gathering antibiotics for med kits? Any advice there, JJ? So, um, Obviously, the best thing that you can do is if you find a doctor that's willing to work with you, then you can do that and you can try to get them th to um, prescribe some to you. Um, that in, in a when the grid is up and society is normal is the right answer. The, right. the only the only people that I know that are willing to work with with you like that right now is a, a company called MedCall Assist. And they're kind of a cool company. I did a review on one of their packs a long time ago, but they'll actually, if you buy their pack, they actually assign a doctor to you and then they can establish a patient client relationship with you so that oh, they can great. help prescribe stuff for you. So, and they're preppers, they're survivalists. They kind of know, you know what I mean? Why people would want to do this stuff. The hardest thing with antibiotics is really knowing which stuff you need. And, and I say that because different antibiotics are for different kinds of, you know, issues. Um, so working with a doctor is the best answer. The second answer to that is, is that you can look into fish antibiotics or bird antibiotics. There's a number of different things. And before you do this, what I would recommend people do is go to uh, Doc Bones and Nurse Amy's uh YouTube channel and they've written a book on it that has a section in it. I've, I've covered it on my channel before. And then they also have made some videos that talk about fish antibiotics oh. and those are a good option to get, but you know, technically you're not supposed to use those um, <laughs> unless, you know, there's been a, a massive emergency or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, but, you know, honestly for, to be real about it uh, for most situations where we're talking about localized or regionalized disasters, you're probably not going to need antibiotics. Um, if you're looking for more long-term societal collapse, economic collapse, grid down situation, absolutely. I, I mean, I'd, I'd recommend putting money into that if that's what you're prepping for. Um, but for for just the, the kind of reality situations of what we see in normal society, you're probably not going to need antibiotics. Because even if your area is affected, you'll be able, you'll most likely be able to travel to another area and get to a doctor, you know, and that kind of thing. That's not what we would put under the practical prepping uh, segment. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit more, a little bit more long term, you know what I'm saying? I mean, a little bit more of a, um, you know, worried about long term issues, you know, but. What about, uh, we had a couple people asking when you were talking about food storage, uh, they mentioned canning and dehydrating as a method to stocking your pantry or doing it yourself. Uh, have you ever done any, any work with, uh, do you do any canning or dehydrating on your own JJ? So I haven't, I haven't done a whole lot of it yet, but I, as I'm, as you, I told you the other night on our review that I'm, I'm getting ready to move out to a farm. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to definitely be learning more about that. My parents canned when I was a kid, um, my mom did. And so I saw it when I was younger and helped her and stuff like that. But I wasn't really old enough to fully know and understand exactly how to do it. So um, I'm, I'm hoping to get re, you know, acquainted with that. And it's an excellent, excellent thing to do. And it, especially for people who are on a budget, seeds don't cost very much and raising a garden doesn't cost very much. And it's a great way to be able to put back some calories, you know, just in case of emergencies. Awesome, great advice. All right, JJ, I think we've got all the questions covered. Um, 
thank you everyone for, who are joining us tonight. If there's any more questions, there's still time to fire one or two more out. Uh, one more question I have for you, JJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, the overwhelm, right? The overwhelm that can come when you start down this path of trying to be prepared. How do you find any advice for how to make this prepping lifestyle less overwhelming? So if you, if you start with the research, like we talked about before, and you develop a plan that's going to work for you, and then the next aspect of that is when you start to buy, you know, just stay within your budget. Don't, don't go into debt for, for, for prepping items and stuff like that. It's a bad idea because it's kind of an addictive thing that can lead to, you know, bad situation. Um, so uh, the next thing is, is then take a look at your plan, whatever you ha- it is that you've developed for your situation, and look at what is the most important item first. You know, what's, what can be used in the most situations? What's the most likely uh, disaster going to be that you would be faced with? You know, and then, and then prioritize the items and just buy a couple at a time, you know, down the list until you feel like you've, you've rounded out your plan pretty well. Um, if, you, if you look at it from a kind of a strategic kind of level like that, like, you know, like a military planner kind of, kind of thing, and then kind of stick to that, that's going to help you start down that road. It's, it's really, really easy to get um, to do fear buying, you know, panic and fear and all that kind of stuff. You, you watch YouTube videos and stuff like that. And there are a lot of people that are very fear based that talk about major disasters and martial law and all this kind of stuff. And just stuff that is really a distraction to what, you know, real prepping is all about. And, um, you know, just try to focus on reality for your situation and what what you need to do and if you do that it, it'll it'll be fairly easy to stay focused i think that's great advice jj that's that's spot on i think prepping so that you can have a little peace of mind and enjoy your life to the point where if you don't use your preps um in emergencies but you have them there for hey the car breaks down you reach into your go bag and you grab a snickers it just makes life a little bit better and you don't yeah. have to focus on the fear side of things so great great point uh Thank to everyone who joined us tonight. We have a lot of people uh, in the chat box. Uh, Rocky Brook, Farmstead, Davida, uh, Blondie, Smiles. Let's see who else. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, back earlier on, we had the Weekend Homestead. Uh, Bob, I think that is, Algonquin Homestead. Denise, Denise Rodriguez, thank you guys for joining us tonight. If you'd like to check out JJ's channel, it's Reality Survival. Uh, JJ, where can they learn more about what you do? So you can go to realitysurvival.com or you can just hit up the Reality Survival YouTube channel and pretty much at Reality Survival on any social media platform will get you you know, back to, to any of my pages. Awesome. So guys, definitely check out what JJ is doing. He has an awesome channel and it is not fear focused. It is Reality Survival for stuff that you probably are going to experience at some point. And if you follow his advice, he makes it a lot a lot easier and uh, less less overwhelming. <laughs> Special thanks to JJ Johnson. Check out his channel on YouTube. It's fantastic. Guys, one one more, just one more quick break to remind you. We need your help to be able to keep doing the show weekly. You want to help us without spending any extra money? Before you shop at Amazon, 
go to amsteady.com, amsteady.com. Then you will be instantly forwarded to Amazon, and in that little millisecond that you are forwarded there, Amazon will recognize the fact that we're the ones who sent you, and whatever you buy at Amazon, they'll give us a small percentage of the sale. Doesn't cost you a penny extra, but whatever you purchase, we get a little bit of the proceeds from, which helps keep this show going. Amsteady.com. If you're buying garden supplies, if you're buying groceries, if you have a big purchase coming up and you can make it on Amazon and use the Amsteady link, we would be so appreciative. You're already doing it. It's helping us to keep the show going, and it's not costing you a penny extra. Thanks for using Amsteady.com. Take a step back to see the truth around you. From a distance, you can tell. So, the point to take away tonight is to just start. Start with your preparedness and start like we did. Start small. If that means just getting an Altoid tin and scavenging your house for what you already own and filling that tin then start there and you will see what happened to me. It's probably going to be the same thing that happens to you. Uh, You're going to fill that Altoid tin and then you're going to think, oh man, I want to have more stuff on me. I need more stuff. I need more preparedness items. And so the Altoid tin is going to turn into the Maxpedition pack. And then you're going to fill that Maxpedition pack and you're going to say, okay, well now I need, I need something even bigger than this. And uh, the idea is that you can grow over time, slowly having more and more uh, preps at your aid when you need them. And every time you go through this experience uh, where you needed something and you had it, you're going to feel better and it's going to inspire you to be more and more prepared. And we don't want you to be motivated by fear. That wasn't the objective of this episode. Scary things do happen, but not so scary things happen too. Just last week, we had to rush to the emergency room yet again uh, because my wife got poked in the eye by the baby. Her eye was scratched, but it turned out to be okay. And the nice thing is there were our go bags ready at 1130 at night when we were in the emergency room for us to dig in and have one of our favorite treats, freeze-dried ice cream. I love freeze-dried ice cream. Sometimes it's marketed as astronaut food, the little Neapolitan brick that you break up and eat. You pop that little astronaut food into your mouth. You let your saliva rehydrate it. It sounds really disgusting as I'm explaining it, but it's so good. And that is what practical preparedness can do. It can turn an inconvenient trouble into a picnic. You break down on the side of the road. Well, you bust out some food, spread a blanket with the kids and wait for help. It can make bad events less bad. And so let's walk away at the end of today's episode, not worried about the future, not scared, thinking whether or not we're prepared for doomsday. But instead, think about what are the things we can keep on us, on our person and in our cars, so that at any moment's notice, we can turn a breakdown into a camping trip. If we do that, we'll be less afraid, we'll be less scared, and When the road gets rocky, whether we're home or not, we'll all be steady. 
Special thanks to our guest, J.J. Johnson, for joining us for today's episode. There's a great write-up back at thisishomesteady.com. You're going to want to check out Alexia, the suburban escapee, does a fantastic write-up with all the resources from today's episode, and she always adds a little spin to the write-up. So head on over to thisishomesteady.com, where you'll find a brand new version of our website. It's totally redone, and it's beautiful. Or at least I think so, but I'd love your opinion. Head over there and leave a comment. Tell us what you think. Also, thanks to Allison, our newest addition to the Homesteady team, for her hard work at editing this episode. I literally just there gave her something to edit, and you can leave that one in if you feel like it, Allison. She's been picking up a lot of the workload so that I'm able to produce this weekly show. Also, an incredible thanks to our Homesteady pioneers for helping us to keep producing this show every week. Homesteady Pioneers, please join us Tuesday night, 10 Eastern Time, for the after show discussion. I'll send you an invitation. If you're not getting the email invites on Tuesday, let me know and I'll add you to the list in case you might have unsubscribed accidentally to that list. Homesteady is produced by myself, I'm Aust, and I'm Homesteady, and by my wife, Kay, who handles correspondence and editorial, and my four children, so there's a lot there. Thanks for listening. If you like our show, please share it. And remember, until next week, the road is rocky. Make home steady.